0: Welcome back to the No Boring Stories podcast. I, of course, am Alex Street, and I'm joined today by the incredible author, podcast host, disruptor of all things, Leah Garvin. Leah, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. So happy to be here.
0: It is so good. We, uh, we've we had many conversations together, obviously. Uh, we got to do some story coaching work together. And so I've had this incredible privilege to to dive into your work and experience what you do and how you are showing up in this world and how your story is now developing and, and growing and being used. And we're going to get into all of that today. But let's just open up with like, what are you doing? What is the main work that you're bringing to the world right now?
1: yeah right now i would say a number of things (laughs) as as most entrepreneurs have a lot of different balls in the air Uh right now i'm focusing on really bringing out the best in teams and so that's a that's a big job but what it looks like for for companies is supporting larger companies on things like manager manager development employee engagement retaining women and supporting smaller businesses founders and entrepreneurs on how to set up the how of how work gets done so they can focus on the what. So I partner with um, founders and business owners on mapping out really how the team operations take shape so that you can grow and scale your teams.
0: The how and the what. So focus on how to do it so they can focus on what they're doing and we're here today really talking about the why aren't we i mean yes. this is a-
1: <laughs> exactly and the other thing you mentioned my podcast i recently launched uh-huh. a podcast managing made simple where i talk about the good the bad the ugly everything about people management because i think sometimes that can sound like a boring topic i know you're no boring stories in uh-huh. the, the vibe here but i think talking about you know being a manager in the workplace i think sometimes people think that's you know, boring or they don't really want to think about it. And I want to make the conversation fun and accessible and just give people tools for, to make it a lot easier to do that job.
0: You absolutely do that. I mean, look, I, I remember like when we started working together, I got your book unstuck and started listening to it. And if you get this book, my friends, I highly suggest getting the audio book because Leah does such an incredible job of narrating it. And bringing so much it's just so fun and so funny and you're talking about the entire all this stuff that you're right it's like this is boring stuff this is protocol kind of stuff and you're like bringing so much personality into it so I just want to absolutely highlight just pump your tires there because you've got something really unique and special that you bring when you do step up to the mic that needs to be experienced
1: thank you very good well and Uh, when I wrote the book it was really I thought of it. It's sort of like an inner monologue. So I was like, yeah. I got to do that audio book. <laughs> I was like, yeah. really pushing hard on the publisher because I, that was how I always pictured. It was really a conversation that I'm, yeah. I'm talking to someone about my experiences. Yeah.
0: What was that experience like of actually getting in a studio or, or getting behind the mic and reading your own words and, and just going through that, that audiobook experience? Can you just pull back the curtain a little bit on that uh, for those that, you know, want to do something like that or just don't know. And it's just interesting to to hear about what, what was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, it was. So first, when I was going to do it, I hired like a voice coach for one session just to talk about, you know, how, what would he recommend that I do to get in the zone? Yeah. Because I think just reading it out loud, that's not how I was imagining it in my head. I'm imagining, you know, it more in a conversational way. So he shared yeah. a bunch of really great exercises. And I think if you're going to do anything new, finding a coach that's really an expert in that space is a really good idea, even if it's just for one hour. And then when I got to the studio, I was a little bit the book, as you talk about, it's a little bit silly, a little bit sarcastic. So it's sort of like a performance. And I think yeah. when you are gonna read it out loud, that can, you know, knowing there's an engineer on the other side of the wall listening to it, I was a little bit giggly and squirmy at first. I was like when I was talking about, you know, the, the different things or making a joke, I I kind of, yeah. you know, felt like I was doing stand-up for a minute and that made me a little bit uncomfortable. But then I got in the flow and what they do is they have you start a few chapters in so that you find your stride and you go back from the beginning. So you have a strong start and you can re-record. So, you know, if you're just finding that stride in the beginning, you, you know, it's not like people tune out because the first few minutes (laughs) is sort of boring and dry.
0: That's brilliant. I love that. That's you get into the, the, the stuff in the, it's almost like, again, I think of like speaking on stage It's like, yeah, by the time you get to the middle, if you get to the climax, like it's almost thinking of that and, Ah, It's interesting when I think of that, a lot of people start when they start of like start creating their book or they start creating a talk, they start with this really strong beginning and then get to the end. And it's this it's it's not a plane landing. It's a plane crash. It just sort yeah. of stops abruptly. And so yeah. I love that there's sort of a, a plan in place, I guess, to make sure that at least energy wise, you're starting starting the book off with strength. yeah and then you cure that carry that all the way through
1: yeah uh, and super quick fun fact about the studio so I the this publisher hadn't done a ton of audiobooks that I worked with so I was researching studios locally and they found one at, you know local in uh, Berkeley California and I go there and it's at in the bottom floor of this big sort of old house and I yeah. meet the woman that owns it she rents out the studio space and we're recording and I I we take a break I go to the bathroom and along the hallway to the bathroom are just rows of platinum records and and apparently this studio is where destiny's child it like started their first recordings and Get beyonce out. yeah so once i saw that i had some new like new energy flowing <laughs> through me some that.
0: beyonce energy yeah. yeah okay that makes sense then
1: <laughs> yeah so that was pretty exciting i'm kind of I guess this woman had you know been in the heart of all that in the early 90s and then wow. continues to rent out her studio as like freelance
0: <laughs> then you walk in with a different swagger you oh, yeah. you, you, you wore heels the next day you're like yeah, I'm coming exactly. in with my queen yeah, like,
1: bee. <laughs> my hair around I was, <laughs> it was it was was on
0: your extensions yeah okay I see <laughs> this is it okay so and, and let's just come back because you, you you mentioned you know the message that you're really trying to get out now is, again, managing made simple, but it's a boring subject. It's a boring experience. Typically, people don't want to talk about management because yawn. What is it? Why is that boring? And how are you using storytelling specifically to show up and help people navigate that in a not boring way?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing you're not mentioning here is the simple concept came out of some of our <laughs> came out of our story coaching. so excellent. I think we talked a lot about these places that teams get stuck. and like you yeah. said, the work that I do is about helping teams work better together, making it easier to get work done. Yeah. and so this arc was, well, where are we at today if we if the goal is easy, if the goal is simple, what are we at right now? and it's yeah. it's boring or complicated or feels like there's too many um too much bureaucracy or with management i think people think to be a manager to be a good manager i have to do all of these things and change who i am and maybe i'm not really interested in that so mm-hmm. i think the the starting point is recognizing That there are all these beliefs around being a manager, or or things like I'll just guess that it's just talking to people. Why is it so hard? Or I'll follow whatever my manager did. Or you know, I don't. Being a good manager takes a lot of time. So identifying where people were stuck. I think Mm -hmm. my goal was to um, say, well, what what resonates with people? Stories, as as you talk about, Mm -hmm. Um, getting very concrete and specific tools and strategies. And and that's where the simple piece comes in, because yeah. I think having my whole career in the corporate world being around establishing team processes and, and helping people get their work done, that was always about simplifying, it was always about removing steps. It was always about sharing that why. You know, if you're going to ask someone to track their work in some tool and enter all this these tasks in and they feel like, you know, well, what do you like you don't trust me or you're micromanaging? Mm-hmm. No, you say. The reason why we're entering our work in this system is because I want to make sure that you are getting credit for the work that you're doing so that I know what the capacity is so that I can hire more people to support you so that I can bring visibility of your work to leadership. So when you start with some of that, why people are more on board to following whatever you're doing. And so taking that same model with the teams I'm working with, when you talk about, well, where where are people really getting stuck? Where are they getting frustrated? I think a lot of it is, yeah, of course I want to be a great manager. I want to have a great team, but I think all the things I have to do are too complicated and confusing and abstract. So I'll just keep doing what I'm doing.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's like, so the conversation then loses steam or maybe never picks up steam because yeah. it's all stuff that we've heard before or stuff that we've done before was just passed down to us. And let's be honest, everybody's got 87 tips on how to be a best manager and yeah. we've tried 85 of them and we're still doing the same thing. Like they're we just tweaked things to make it look like we're doing something different, but we're doing the same thing. Yeah. And you're like, that's why we're bored. That's right. why we don't want to talk about it because yeah. it feels like it's all the same thing, just being washed and done again. Is that yeah. the right?
1: Exactly. And there's a lot of focus on there. I think there's also a narrative of most managers are bad people don't leave jobs they leave managers Mm. you know teams are burning out because of the managers and if you're a manager you're like oh shit like I'm kind of I have a bad reputation right now so the other conversation and 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 why I'm focusing on managers is because they need a little bit of love too recognizing Uh this is a really hard time to be a manager kind of the odds are against you because you're navigating you know covid and return to office and hybrid work and distributed teams and all these things if you're a entrepreneur or small business owner you're navigating distributed teams hiring when you know there's resource constraints wanting to retain talent figuring out when it's the right time to scale so big and small companies you know leaders of of teams are struggling with a lot of the same issues and But what we do know is everyone thinks managers suck. And so (laughs) that's like, wait, they don't always suck. And we can make them suck a lot less. If you say, hey, you have a hard feedback conversation to have with someone. You have to deliver some really disappointing news. Let's think about how we're going to approach that. And here's three ways to do that. Very simple strategies that help people pause and say, okay, I actually can handle this in a better way.
0: So why and why would anybody resist this this format this story why why would somebody not be like oh yes excellent leah come on in bring bring it on three simple ways i'm here for why would why would managers why would large companies small companies why would anybody put up their hands and say like ah, actually we don't have we don't have space for that we don't have time for that right now what what's the what's getting in the way of that
1: well, hopefully less and less resistant. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> the more tactical <laughs> I make it, the more accessible the the more it's really been resonating with people. And it's been exciting to see what the podcast, especially I have the, the episodes are typically very short. I offer a few tools and then and then you go about your day. So I think yeah. with workshops and trainings or the program I mentioned I do with with entrepreneurs, I think you know, there's always a question of how people want to invest their, mm-hmm. you know, budget and time. And I think what people often forget is, when you don't invest in your team up front, you have all these long tail of issues that happen later. But it's a little bit of that short term versus long term thinking. That well, it's going okay. You know, we're getting by. So we'll figure this out later when we have, you know, all this. You know, we're like flush with budget and everyone's happy. And we're like, or everyone's leaving and we'll wait but you can often prevent so many issues from happening if you focus on it. For example, yeah. you know, if if we already know people don't leave jobs, they leave managers and we said we're going to always proactively invest in making sure managers have the skills they need, then you wouldn't have that issue. But I think it's I do think it's that short versus long-term thinking. I also think right now when there is, you know, recession and cutbacks and this mm. idea of doing more with less, investing in the team there's a disconnect between what that actually looks like you know helping Mm. people you know trying to get more out of people in my opinion is a no-brainer it requires making it easier to get work done and that's that focus on the how but i think when folks don't quite understand that they think it's about um just telling people I don't know i'm like i don't even know what they're telling people when they have fewer people because it's like hey we all gotta rally together and just like keep going i i mean it's it's very odd to me to see yeah. what how a company would be able to get people to quote unquote do more with less when they haven't made it easier to do the work it's like
0: well it's it's literally yeah right it's it's you watch. are going to do more because we have yeah. less people here exactly. so that that's And then that's, and then it leads to more burnout and, and here you are. So if you can step in and help all of this become more simple, then you are, you are doing good work here, Leah. Like that's, that's it. Right. So we're setting this up. So then again, it's just like, we're complicating things, which is, which is keeping conversations from happening, which is ultimately hurting people.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, take a, if you have a, if you're a business owner with a team of four people and you're trying to keep it really lean and you realize, well, to be able to grow, we, we, we need everyone to be yeah doubling down, working a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then we end up realizing we're the bottleneck around decisions. We haven't been that clear on communicating the vision. Everyone's tracking their work on post-its, you know, like you yeah. have all these different yeah. things that you really can't Don't call
0: me out on the post-its thing. You know? here. I've got them all over my office. Don't <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it works if we're, if we're doing it on ourselves, but it's, sure. it's not the best if you want to scale uh-huh. a team. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that if you take a minute and stop and say, okay, well, how how do I want to be proactive and intentional about how I'm running this business so that I can scale and grow? This can be a very simple exercise. Of, mm-hmm. So I sit down with business owners and map out, you know, six aspects of a, an effective team, things like we talk about work tracking, how you make decisions. Um, mm-hmm. how you set expectations, things like that, so that they get out from their head, all the things they already know and take for granted, but our teams don't always know. And then when our team is bought into the vision and knows what success looks like and knows when they should make a decision versus, you know, have the manager make it, yeah. they can move a lot faster.
0: So, okay. You're obviously skilled at this. You're obviously leading conversations. You have this message that is getting out into the world. Where does it come from? I mean, here you are really doubling down, leaning into this idea of simplicity and helping people focus on that. Why? What? What's the journey for you? You know, let's go back in the story. Where does that begin for you? Has it always been about simplicity? Bring me in on your journey a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when I think back, I, I always really loved working in teams. And I remember, you know, in school projects and, yeah. in you know, early in the workplace, I loved sort of helping people figure out how to get things done collaboratively. Yeah. And when I started doing this more, I think, in, in the corporate world or in larger companies, it just... It, I started to see that the same issues kept happening. You know, people weren't clear on really what expectations were or two people were kind of doing the same thing and that caused some tension or, you know, decisions weren't communicated like down the chain. We weren't really sure if something was approved or whatever. And I kept seeing the same things. And ironically, because my job literally was to, you know, drive team operations and help work get done, it was directly affecting me all these, right. all these things that were going wrong uh-huh.
0: we're,
1: we're like well i can't figure out a process for this if you haven't told anybody what the work is you know there's and i kept so i was sort of had this front row seat to all the organizational inefficiencies that were happening mm-hmm. so and, okay but
0: wait wait yeah. come back to come back to high school for just a minute yeah. here where, where you're like <laughs> i loved like sitting around with teams or whatever like was it do you remember like were you the one taking charge you're like fine i'll do the extra work because Joe was high last night instead of doing his part. So I'll, I'll take that on myself. Like, was that your role or were you sitting back and be like someone else take this and I'll just sit here and be frustrated. What, what did you look like in those roles that you did love and enjoy?
1: No, I think you hit the nail on the head. I was in the front, like, okay, <laughs> like I'll Fine, take it over and help and kind of de- like, hey, let's divide and conquer. But yeah, there's always that kid that did all uh-huh. the extra work when Joe didn't show up. So yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. then
0: that continues. And yes. then you what just naturally then look for jobs and careers where it's like, ooh, how can I get into a career where I can continue to lead teams because this is the thing, you know, that doesn't sound like a natural sort of progression for a lot of high schoolers to think about. I need to lead more teams. That's more of a, of a, how you do the thing that like why you, you are here. And so I, I wonder what was that journey from doing that, that thing that we all had to do to then finding yourself in a career where you are leading teams, coaching teams, managing teams. in in that setting, how did that what's the bridge there?
1: Well, it's funny. Cause as you said that I had a kind of aha moment that we didn't even come across in our story. Um, Brilliant. That sort of picking up the extra slack that ended up being quite quite a theme across my, ah
0: okay. <laughs> right? okay. and,
1: and I'm wondering if a lot of, I think I, I got into a rhythm of doing a lot of things because you know, I was good at them. I've dug into yeah. Enneagram as a, as a three achiever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, I know, you know, here's what the steps are. I will follow them. I Here's how to accomplish a goal. And so I think when only now I've bridged the kind of gap, and I'll come back to earlier, of yeah. like how this all fits together with what I do now. But I think as I was, you know, I didn't choose the kind of work I was doing intentionally around yeah. team dynamics. I think because I liked being... Working with teams, I said, "Oh, and I'm very organized, and I can sort of, I can connect the dots, and I can think in systems." It, it sort of, it fell into that kind of team operations work. But
0: right, um, so you step in looking for where can I achieve, where can I, you know, where yeah. can I do good work in this world, where can I, you know, meet goals and and move yeah. my career forward, and obviously, you show up as a leader in. I think in any room that you step into, would that be fair to say? (laughs) Again, going back to those high, like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll lead, and so we see that managers, leaders, people hiring would see that and say, "Ooh, she's got something. She can lead." Oh, what? Just give that to Leah. She'll she'll take that team. And then as you started to do that, that grew and developed. Is that?
1: Yeah, exactly. And then I started to see, yeah, that you know this the a way in which I could bring awareness of interpersonal dynamics as a priority mm-hmm. of inclusion of, of ensuring people feel seen and understand, you know, the work yeah by building that into the how of, well, you know, this has to be in- integrated into a process for it to yeah. actually be meaningful. It, w- it then became something that I sought out these kind of jobs, but yeah. I think you're right. I-, I would say, yeah. I mean, just being candid moving into working in tech, I, I just knew that was a good kind of job to have. i that's why yeah. I took the first job in tech. I Absolutely. had you know because I was not an engineer I was not didn't have a technical background, so that's kind of the one of the types of jobs that's available if you're not in that engineering space it's It's yeah. about well there's engineers and designers and product people focusing on the what and the strategy. And I was really good at, well, okay, how are we going to get this done? Well, it's not just about making a schedule. It's not just about, you know, task tracking. It's people have to really be bought in and understand. And that's where the why comes back in, but the why isn't just because we love this company, what do you mean? (laughs) And then we Mm -hmm. want this product. It's why my, why at, at my level of like, I understand when I do this job, This is why it matters like in my sort of own world, regardless of what the vision for the company is.
0: That is so significant, isn't it? I mean, we've Mm -hmm. got these humans here that come around a table to talk about any new design, any new development, an app that we're working on, whatever it might be specifically in the sector that you were working in. And these humans are here for a reason and they stick around for a reason. Is it a paycheck? Maybe, but they're getting a paycheck here for a reason. So what if if we can help uncover that individual why? That might just be the thing that we can call out and we can band together around and we can really create a dynamic team around, right? Yeah, So how did that show up for you? Like at what point did you start to realize, oh, this is why? I care. This is why I really invest in this. This is why I want to focus on making things more simple for people, you know, more clear. Where did that show up for you?
1: So the first, I think, thinking back, I joined, I was on the HoloLens team, which was at Microsoft working on the first augmented reality headset. And Uh I joined the design team and they had been working on this, I think, for a number of years kind of as a behind-the-scenes project. It hadn't been announced yet. And the design team, there was a perception when I joined that they were just kind of working on whatever. There wasn't a lot of process. The engineering team didn't know what they were working on. And when I joined, I sat down with each designer to learn about them and their work and, and understand what they're doing in They were doing a ton of stuff. They were working on the product. It was just that they weren't getting the message across to engineering and there was a gap in communication. Uh And it was so clear that it was a very simple thing Uh (laughs) that was getting in the way was, hey, we both think these two types of roles don't understand each other. We both think they're not in support of each other. They're not aligned but actually all that was needed was a, was a communication across. Mm -hmm. So I started creating, you know, forms for engineering and design to be meeting for design to be showing their work to engineering for, for engineering to see, Hey, they're, they have all of this going on and they're, they're not late. They're not, you know, doing something different. We're all aligned. Mm -hmm. And by, when I started to do that I just started to see everything transform. We we went from not having a clear schedule to be, you know, delivering being done early with things. We started from having this us versus them mindset. We people were having lunch together. We were, you know, we were there working really collaboratively. The more that, you know, design was showing the more engineering would be moving faster to show how the designs were in the device. So there was a lot of celebration around seeing the product come to life. Yeah. And that was where it hit me of oh wow I I have something that I can bring to the situation and before that i had a lot of imposter feelings around not being an engineer and thinking i wasn't technical enough if i had a question or people like oh yeah like there's the there's the woman non-engineer just like having no clue what's going on i mean whether people were thinking about that that's the cognitive load you bring in as a mm-hmm. woman that is, you know where you're the only one in the meeting you know mm-hmm. and so it was this big shift where i saw when i was in conversations it people it was more clear. People were starting to yeah. understand each other. These forms that I was setting up for people were building relationships, we're building bridges. And the whole thing transformed and it was, it was just magic before before everyone's eyes to see, wow, there is a way to really transform the whole way this team operates so that we can deliver on our work, we yeah. can move faster, really by creating more vehicles of communication.
0: I think, okay, and there's something else that you just touched on there, which is so significant to that whole journey, right? So you have this moment of discovery of like, whoa, I've got something that I can bring to the table here, even though I'm not in their skill set. I don't, I can't do what they do, but I can bring something. And so let's draw back again to this sort of high school experience. You know, you're like, fine, I'll take on the extra stuff. Fine, I'll do that. And the narrative there is, I'll do everything that needs to be done. But I think yeah. what, as it developed and really comes to a climax here at this moment at Microsoft, where you're like, I'm not going to do everything that needs to be done, but I can organize everything that needs to be done so that you can go and excel at the things that you are here to do. I can't do what you do, but I can help you all do it more efficiently, better, stronger. And when you clicked on that, how long ago was that roughly?
1: Yeah, that was, I think eight years ago.
0: Right. So you click on that, that becomes this turning point, this transformative Mm -hmm. moment of going, Whoa, I, apparently I see things differently than other people do. And what if I could lead people to also see that or to, to act on that? That's significant stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think what's amazing about this and what some of the work that we've done, right. Was around this word disrupt. Um, can you tell me about that a little bit? Because I I don't know where I just, I thought that was so significant. And even just around this conversation, this moment at Microsoft, there's something around disrupt is either this thing that like we lean into or like, yeah, disrupting, or it's this thing that we're afraid of. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I think it depends how much money, time, and people are invested in the thing that's going to be disrupted.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. So first, this is why you're so magical because the way you summarize that story (laughs) is like, I never could have done that. I'm like, yes, that's my story. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) More. So I I, I just have to say, I know we've already like gone through all of our sessions, but this is just extra credit. So I love it. This is good. (laughs) This is a bonus round. Yeah, right. Um, Yes. We talked a lot about the dichotomy of disruption versus destruction. And what I felt like when I was inside of Big companies that when you talk about let's work in a different way, initially there's some interest. It's like okay, what are you talking about? Yeah. But when it requires innovate,
0: innovate, yay, yeah, innovate,
1: disrupt. <laughs> we know it's like we want to disrupt, uh, like you know, tech, but we don't want to disrupt the the not talking to each other part.
0: <laughs> yeah, so- right. Yes.
1: So there's a lot of resistance around changing the way we're working, and it can sometimes it can be viewed as your a naysayer you're not a team player just go with the flow and that was a that was a very difficult balance to strike and i think you know advocating for this design team i was on required me to speak up a lot for like hey like this isn't okay how we're communicating it's not okay to have meetings where these this one whole area of of the team is not invited where we're forming conclusions without you know weighing in everyone's you know perspectives, things like that started. I, I often would, it was a difficult balance to strike between we're disrupting the things that aren't working and uh-huh. it being perceived as destructive because it just, you know, people just wanted to move fast without talking yeah. about these things. Well, it's interesting. Like I think of that just
0: as you're saying that I think of, you know, if if you've got A relationship, uh, uh, two people in a relationship, and they hardly talk to each other. The rhythm that they're in is go to work, come home, make dinner, watch something on Netflix, go to bed. And they're wondering why we don't feel as close to each other as we used to. Disrupting that would be saying, you know what? On Tuesday night, we're going to go out for dinner without the TV on. And we're going to look at each other for three hours. And at first you go like, oh, but that's outside the rhythm. Right, you're like that's yeah. Tuesday night's a Bachelor. Like I don't want to miss it. Like, you're like, but Tuesday night's the best night. So the disruption feels like it knocks us off our rhythm, but we know that's going to lead to movement forward within that relationship. Yeah, does that does exactly. that connect to to how you entered and how you move with that? Right,
1: exactly. And that's where the simplicity piece comes in too. Is that yeah? Hey, we're t- disrupt simple disruption is about hey, is there an opportunity to get these two people talking? As you said, is there an opportunity to leave the house once a week? Yeah. Destruction would be like, hey, we never go out. We're done. I'm moving out of the house, right?
0: I, like, right, exactly. And so
1: the work I do, I, I always am very intentional. It's not HR work because it's not about um, – looking at a company and saying, okay, you need to reset your whole strategy or, or it's not, you know, it's not saying you need to fire your whole executive team and start Mm -hmm. over. It's not about really about personnel, you know, changes and things like that. It's about team operations. It is about how work gets done. And that's why I work directly with often with, and, and I think HR often is very supportive and excited about this kind of work, but, but my lens is not HR because I think it's really in this skill that I built up over the years that I used to think like, you know, why do I do this kind of job again and again? But it was actually this thing of, well, how do you get work done and figuring out what processes you need and tools in place to make that easier. Yeah. That's a very different function than an HR yeah. function.
0: Yeah, and disrupting yeah. the rhythm we're in, the movements we're in without disrupting, destroying, yeah. destruction. destruction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Disruption good. Disruption without
1: destruction. Yes. That's
0: so good. Okay. Uh, I, I guess one more question for those that are listening that do manage, do find themselves in some sort of a leadership role. How, you know, what would your advice be on, on as they do recognize, you know, their own personal, why they know why they're in this or why they're passionate about leading a team. What are some good tips that you see some, maybe some, some methods they could use to start to instill that. Same, why that passion that that discovery within the team that they're leading, within that group, uh, essentially, how can managers use storytelling to their advantage?
1: Yeah, I think the more you are vulnerable and share you know what's you know, what brings you there, what's important to you, you set the stage for other people to think about, oh, this could be meaningful to me too. Yeah. And so I think mm-hmm. when when I've heard managers share their stories around why. You know why they're there what gets them out of bed every day why whatever the product or service or you know business we're about is meaningful to them we we start to already be able to see that you know it's we're all just more than a cog in a machine or you know i think especially for founders and and entrepreneurs sharing the story of who they hope to support and transform and 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 make their lives better that's going to show us wow like i have a role in this too And I remember a leader I worked with in in another team working on augmented reality or virtual reality. They they shared about their sister-in-law who I think had an accident, she became paralyzed, she couldn't travel, and him working on VR was able to bring places that she'd never be able to see to her. And that kind of story showed us we all had power in being able to create that for someone that Mm. needs that. And and that was just it it got everybody on board and i think i recently heard a story talking about sort of organizational leadership and i was going i was like going to email you this oh, i heard like a tech from to from story but it talked about how microsoft got very caught i think in the 90s early 2000s in sort of they were they became really big everybody was using it and they they were they got into a place where they weren't innovating as much and they started falling behind and then when Satya Nadella came in, I think he was also going through a lot with his own family and learning about his son who had a disability. And he he actually said intentionally, I went from being a know-it-all to a learn-it-all. Ooh. And now that's where I'm taking this company, from being a know-it-all to a learn-it-all. And then he instilled this growth mindset and Microsoft was able to transform their entire culture by making this shift.
0: That... Uh- <laughs> It makes me feel things, Leah.
1: <laughs> I know, I was going to write you this and I was like, ooh, I should just save this for today. That's
0: so good. Okay, so there's a couple that, right. Because the come back to the VR thing. The boring story is we're doing VR because it's a new technology that we're learning. And it'll make video games better. The yeah. The not boring story is because people will be able to visit places they otherwise never could. That's yeah. what we're a part of creating different futures for people you know, yeah. holy crap yeah. and then you bring it into you've got microsoft and this this individual story becomes a company narrative a company-wide narrative yeah. of we don't know it all we're learning as we go now we become now it's a testing ground now yeah. it's not what have you learned and how we put that into place but it's about oh the world has changed we've created we've helped create a world Essentially, I see Microsoft saying we've helped create a world in which things grow and change faster than really humans can keep up with. We better be in a learning posture. Yeah. And that comes from the top and spreads out below.
1: Exactly. incredible. Exactly. And so the more leaders can do this, I know that oftentimes I think it's left to marketing teams to sort of package yeah. up the stories at the end, especially in bigger companies. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, there was a, a team member that I worked with at Google who they were working on something with Google Lens and language translation, who, you know, he, he brought a story in around, you know, being able to share that with someone in India who could not, you know, they couldn't read their son's report card. And that was the story. And that drove the whole team that they were able Mm -hmm. to create this technology that could translate something. So this mom could finally be able to have a conversation uh, with her son about school or with the teachers. And when we bring those stories in, you can rally people around, Around doing more with less, if that's your goal, but really mm-hmm. around bringing this vision to life, and and it's so powerful because you, I, I really believe you can make that about anything. I mean, we're talking about you know products that it's a little bit maybe easier to connect the dots, like oh yeah, language translation that that has a yeah. very you know significant impact, sort of you know idealistic, but I think you can do that with any kind of work because when you infuse meaning into it and you help people find well, what is your meaning in this? You know, you can, if you work at a restaurant waiting tables and you find meaning in helping someone just take a break or have a, you know, have a good day, enjoy a meal, have a celebration, and mm-hmm. that's what the why is for you, then you found it. So I, I don't think it's only reserved for, you know, billion dollars, trillion dollar businesses that have all of these resources. And that's something that I think really is important for folks maybe you're, you have a product and you sell you know, socks or something. Like, <laughs> hey, there's, there can be a story, and I'm sure you said this a million times, mm-hmm. there's a story in everything yeah. if, you, if you think about what's the why for you.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I, and if you are out there and you are starting a sock company, please connect with me because I'm sure that we can find some sort of story around comfort and walking another mile or how you used to do that or whatever's in there. But also, I'm always here for a good pair of free socks. So, I mean, new socks. <laughs>
1: new socks. Yeah. <laughs> new socks.
0: Uh, Leah, this is such a treat. I knew that we would just have great banter back and forth and get some really gold nuggets in here. You have not disappointed on that front. I so thank you for sharing your perspective, your absolute breadth of wisdom and knowledge and experience in all of this and learning a couple of new things along the way about yourself. This is going to be really, really valuable for my audience and anybody out there listening as, as people want to connect with you more, they want to listen to you at helping make help making managing made simple. Uh, where can they find you? What is best ways to connect with you?
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. And like I said, I got, I got some <laughs> bonus coaching for my story. So I love it. And yeah, to connect, check out my podcast, managing made simple. It's on Apple podcast, Google, Spotify, connect with me on Instagram at leah.garvin or my website leahgarvin.com and on my websites where you can learn about my programs for teams. I mentioned manager development, employee engagement, retaining women, or this program where I support founders and entrepreneurs and small business owners on mapping out that how creating an operating manual for your business.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. It's such a joy and I'm so thankful to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that you got to be a part of this conversation on the No Boring Stories podcast. So go ahead and share this episode with the people that you love so that they can experience the same kind of transformation you just experienced while listening in. And then go ahead and rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast platform as that helps this episode get seen and heard by so many other people. Thank you for being a part of this. I am so grateful to spend this time with you. This has been No Boring Stories. I am Alex Street, and we are just getting started.